Welcome to the Tough Like a Mother podcast, where we bring to light the conversations we often have with ourselves. We all know motherhood is rewarding, but can be challenging at times. I want you to know that you're not alone and we'll get through this together. I'm your host, Augusta Powell. Now let's get started. Hey guys, welcome back to the show. I am excited about today's guest. Today we have Dr. Dania Dunkley, Assistant Professor of Nursing at Farmingdale State College in Long Island, New York. Thank you for joining me today. Thanks so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. So before we dive into maternal health disparities, you have an illustrious career thus far. So can you just briefly tell the listeners about it? Sure. Um, I started in nursing as an LPN um, back in high school. My mom was an RN as well, so she kind of inspired me to um, uh, go into the field. And um, after that, I went straight to college and got my BSN from Yankee University and um, uh, my MSN and my PhD from the University of Phoenix, both in nursing. And um, Well, since I entered the field, I've been a labor and delivery nurse, mother-baby nurse. Um, I've done community health. Um, I've been a nurse manager and then um, climbed the career ladder to assistant director and then director, and now have um, been working full-time in academia. So, um, but my whole career, I've uh, worked in maternal child health, and that's pretty much where my passion lies. Okay, great, great. So... As you know, in light of the recent tragic events of George Floyd, this nation's long history of injustice and inequality has been brought to the forefront. And one of the popular topics that are being discussed is maternal health disparities. So when did you first start to notice racial disparities in your career? So racial disparities in general, I I knew they were there. I knew there were differences in how... um, Patients were treated. Um, of course, I didn't treat my patients any differently, but I've, you know, I've witnessed others. I've heard the, the stereotypes and the, these people and the other microaggressions and things like that. Um, but in terms of maternal disparities, I did not know about the statistics regarding that specific area, even though I was a nurse working in maternal child health. And I became more aware of them as I started to climb the ladder in more of my um, managerial or administrative roles and as I was going through the research during my PhD and of course as it was brought more to the forefront by you know some of our prominent um, figures uh, community figures so um, I call it uh, the best kept secret Um, it was basically hidden in plain sight So let's talk about the statistics for those who aren't aware so that we can fully grasp how serious this is. So where, where are we? Sure. So in terms of, I just want to make a distinction between mortality and mortality Mortality or maternal mortality is um, basically the the number of deaths per every 100,000 births um, that result from a complication of pregnancy or childbirth. Um, morbidity is more of your uh, life-threatening complications or consequences as a result of pregnancy and childbirth. 
So I just wanted to make that distinction. In terms of maternal mortality, the United States is one of the highest maternity mortality rates um, in the industrialized world. So in the developed countries, even though we are developed countries, we're still one of the worst performing. Um, and the numbers have steadily increased from late 1980s to um, where we are now. Um, roughly, um, black women are about three to four times more likely to die from a pregnancy-related um, death. Um, in terms of numbers from 2011 to about 2016, there were about 42 deaths, just to give you some perspectives um, for black women. And there were only um, 13 in comparison for white women. So that's, yeah, that's a staggering figure in New York. Um, that was a national average in New York where we are currently, um, you know, the number has increased steadily over the last 10 years by 60%. Um, you know, back in, um, in 2007, we were at 18, roughly, mm -hmm. uh, in the New York City area. And about 2015, which was the last uh, data that I have, um, it jumped to about 31. So you can see that there are some uh, awful statistics in terms of how um, maternal mortality affects Black women in particular. Awful indeed. Now, why does this exist? Like, what are the contributing factors to this? So there are multiple issues. Um, obviously, we know that this history, the history of this country, um, the history of slavery and systemic racism has definitely contributed to um, what we currently see now. And some of the perceptions um, about Black people, Black women, are still alive and well today. Um, you know, in the past, our bodies were perceived as objects that were um, experimented on. And, um, you know, even when we technically gained equal rights, the, uh, the quality of care that we were provided with was segregated and um, not equitable. Um, there have been other systemic issues um, like housing and redlining that led to um, high levels of poverty in areas where black and minorities live um, that then contributes to a cycle of, of poor uh, health choices or availability of health choices mm -hmm. and, and access and other social determinants of health. So it's not necessarily that just the fact that you're black makes you more susceptible to, and I'm, I'm sure you've heard the numbers that, you know, we're more susceptible to these other comorbidities like yes. hypertension and diabetes. Mm -hmm. um, but well, the reason why <laughs> that we're such high risk for those is because of the historical background and the context in which um, the society um, has kind of perpetuated. Um, and also, I just want to actually bring up another issue with um, the underrepresentation of um, Black and minority providers and nurses and other healthcare um, professionals. So um, not only are we severely underrepresented, um, but that is one of the contributing factors. If you don't act adequately represent the community that you're serving, then this continuous uh, cycle of systemic racism is going to continue. Being a Black woman in America, mm -hmm. um, I read that, mm -hmm. you know, with the atmosphere, societal, and systemic racism, it can kind of create mm -hmm. like a psychological stress, right? Which yes. results in those There's conditions. A term for that. 
Right. The term for that is called weathering. So just being black. Being black. <laughs> and specifically right. being black and female. Um, uh, we are exposed to such high levels of stress. And then that stress uh, does relate um, in terms of medical issues and conditions that lead to the high blood pressure and other uh, manifestations of stress. So heart disease and those kind of things. So that is also very much a contributing factor. Yes, yes. And also um, preeclampsia, correct? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So preeclampsia is one of the hypertensive disorders of pregnancy, um, which actually can be pregnancy induced. Um, it's not limited to just uh, Black women, but we are at a higher risk for it. Um, one of the reasons being uh, the phenomenon that we just discussed in terms of higher levels of stress going into our pregnancies, mm -hmm. even if you were technically healthy prior to the pregnancy. Yes. Um, I had preeclampsia uh, mm. when I gave, well, when my water broke, um, I mm -hmm. had preeclampsia. Of course, I didn't know about preeclampsia until I heard um, about it when, you know, Serena Williams was in the news for it and right. also uh, Beyonce. And I just did not understand why conditions like this weren't discussed before. Um, right. Kind of right. getting off topic here. That's a, that's another episode. <laughs> <laughs> but, no, but I mean, those are some of the, the issues that we suffer um, um, in terms of Black women that we suffer from in more, more so than our counterparts. Um, right. So it is a, it's a, definitely a part of the discussion. Right. So how does biases um, play into that as well? Right. So when you have um, a certain perception of Black people or um, how Black people um, are uh, susceptible or not susceptible to pain, for, for example, um, when uh, a mom comes in and she's complaining of contractions or contraction pain, um, they aren't listened to. Uh, their pain isn't addressed or we're severely under-medicated. So those are some examples of how biases can, can play a, a role because the perception is that Black people are less likely to feel pain just because of our race. And what about the current health crisis? Right. So all of these things are interrelated, right? When you have a system that was initially not meant to include us, um, and we've had to kind of fight for equal rights. You have inequitable treatment. So I come in pregnant and my white counterpart comes in um, pregnant and the perception about us because of the historical context of racism that we've come from just leads to disparate treatment of us even though we both have come in for the same issue. It goes, it transcends educational levels. So you can't educate your way out of this. You cannot um, um, uh, pay your way out of it either. If it can affect someone like Serena or Beyonce, can you imagine someone who's underinsured or uninsured right. coming in and the perceptions about those um, individuals? Right. Uh, Black women are systematically disadvantaged in the healthcare system, regardless exactly. of their socioeconomic or educational status, which is sad. Sad. Exactly. Exactly. So, um, so the one linking factor has to be race, 
you know, so it's, it's, it's racism and not necessarily our race that leads us to these um, inequitable um, statistics. Right. So, Nania, what can we do? Like, how can this be addressed? I think one of the things that you actually just brought up is important, and that is advocacy and education. Um, you don't know what you don't know, right? Okay. So I encourage uh, expectant families to do the research. That is beginning with um, selecting a provider, um, looking into um, other supportive services like doulas, lactation consultants to help. These are experts that um, know the changes to expect in your body and some of the complications that can happen um, and can be a, a great resource in addition to an excellent primary care provider, whether you decide to go with a midwife or an OBGYN provider is up to you, but um, make sure that you um, get references. Um, you can actually research um, and find um, information about providers in terms of their um, the, the number of C-sections, for example, that, that they've done. Is it a, an astronomical number? Are they sectioning all their patients? You know, what their delivery outcomes are? You can certainly find that information. Um, but the best, best uh, resource is word of mouth, right? So a right. good trusted family referral or friend, a referral from a friend is always a good thing. And screen them anyway. When you go in for your prenatal visits, you know, uh, pay attention to the way that they explain things. Um, if it's in a way that you can't understand, you have every right to question it. Um, you have every right to get a second opinion. Um, you have every uh, right to ask them to um, to explain things, like I said, in a way that you can understand. And if they refuse, they need to document that. Um, but then the other thing is um, prenatal education. So go, you know, and there are moms that are more proactive. So they'll go and they'll read the books. But there are some who, um, who like the interaction of a prenatal education class. So taking that Lamaze class, investing in that education so that you're aware of what these things are. What is preeclampsia and am I at risk for that? You know, it, and, and what does it mean for me? Um, am I a high risk pregnancy? You know, and what are those risks? Um, and what, what, what are the nutritional things that I need to know about how to take care of my body while I'm pregnant? And what about after? Because a lot of um, some of the complications happen after you deliver. So you're not quite right. in the clear once you've delivered the baby. There are postpartum issues as well. Um, and I think, um, like I said at the beginning, um, advocacy, continued advocacy, like what we're doing now, having this conversation and raising awareness, as well as becoming educated for yourself um, is one of the ways that we can address this. Yes. The other part of advocacy um, there are a great number of organizations and individuals out there that are doing this work um, and have been doing this work. Um, for example, the Black, um, Black Mamas um, Matter Alliance and um, Dr. Joy Career Perry of the National um, Birth Equity um, Organization. She has been doing excellent work. There are people that are lobbying for, um, for legislation. Um, the uh, most recent is the Black Maternal Health Momnibus, and that's been being spearheaded uh, by the Black Maternal he uh, Health Caucus, uh, Congresswomen uh, Underwood, Adams, and uh, Senator Harris, actually. 
uh, have uh, spearheaded this and it, it lays out about nine different points. I won't get into each individual one here um, that uh, would be individual bills that would um, help to try and uh, help uh, improve these disparities. So knowing what your uh, legislators are doing or lobbying to them, raising their level of awareness um, and uh, their sense of obligation to their constituents um, is also another way to advocate for um, for this change. Well, thank you for that information. Um, sure. Because you're since you're well versed in the field, of course you you know that. But you know, mm -hmm. I, for example, I wouldn't know that, or you know, your average woman, mm -hmm. you know, about to give birth does mm -hmm. not know that, and it's extremely important. I was lucky enough. Mm -hmm. um, my mother-in-law has a background nurse, a nursing background. So she was my mm -hmm. advocate and I was mm -hmm. that mom that did a lot of research and I asked tons of questions and my OBGYN is African-American and she was amazing and she answered my questions. I felt comfortable with her. Now, right. there has been times in my life where I had a healthcare provider where I wasn't comfortable with them. But I stuck with it because I didn't know that I had these options. I didn't know that I can say, hey, wait a minute, stop. Can you please repeat yourself? Or let's just say I don't have a good feeling about this healthcare provider. I didn't know that I can change them. You think they're your doctors. Mm -hmm. They're the authority. So you have to stick with them. And you don't. You don't. Right. You know you your not, body. You have to definitely have choices. Exactly. Right. You know your body better than any doctor, believe it or not. You know your body better. Mm -hmm. And if it does not feel right, you have the right to change your healthcare provider. Absolutely. Trust your instincts. Yes. Um, it's as simple as um, getting a second opinion, um, requesting your medical records from your existing provider so that the new provider has everything, you know, from your previous chart. So, um, we call that continuity um, continuity of care, and you you know you you go on. You do not have to feel trapped. Um, you have options. You can, like I said, uh, choose between a midwife um, and uh, an OBGYN. You can choose a birthing center. You can decide you want to birth from home. There are options, you know, and depending on what's right for you and your family and. Um, the issues surrounding your pregnancy, um, it's all up to you and your provider to, and your family, your significant other or whomever is your support person to work out those details um, and make it uh, customized to your life. Yes, yes. So, Dania, let's specifically talk about what you're doing. So, you okay. pioneered the League of Extraordinary Black Nurses. Can we go ahead and talk about that? <laughs> so that is, uh, it's a nonprofit organization um, that I was inspired to uh, found while I was doing my dissertation research for my doctorate. And um, basically my uh, research topic was about black women um, becoming a nurse executive. So these are ba basically your chief nurse executive or vice president, anyone along um, that level uh, in terms of hospital leadership. And I uh, interviewed about 10 amazing women who I considered as uh, to be unicorns because <laughs> you don't see that, uh, you don't see them often at that level of leadership. Um, and so from their stories and just 
looking back at my career uh, individually, I and from the stories of people I know, my peers, um, I realized that there is a lack of support in terms of nurses that want to pursue leadership uh, careers, and even in 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 our programs of nursing in school. Um, from that level onward, there's a lack of support, and so I just found um, uh, a, a passion to reach out and give back uh, to those who uh, are approaching the field or already in the field and need that support. Um, so we provide mentoring um, and uh, that program right now is uh, we're still accepting mentors and mentees. Um, so shameless plug there, yes. uh, BLEBN.com and look for our mentorship program. And we've got um, some recent webinars that we've done um, to kind of just help support. It's only been in existence for about a year and a half um, actively. So um, still growing, still learning, but we are um, hoping to support our black nurses and those who wish to become nurses um, to our future generations. So just yes. a little bit about LEBN. <laughs> yes, it's so awe-inspiring how you're doing your part to improve the representation Thank of you. black nurses and advocating for yes. quality health care for people of color as well. That's amazing. And exactly. guys, who, whoever's interested, I'll be sure to link the, um, the Lieben website in the show notes. Dania, can you provide any resources for anyone who wants to learn more? Sure. Um, so a couple of uh, places that I always are my go-to um, in terms of patient um, education um, that are uh, patient-friendly <laughs> so resources. Um, you know, I understand the jargon because, you know, I'm in the field, but if you're looking for something that's an easy read, um, people who provide um, patient education material, one of the sites to go to is March of Dimes. Um, their website is full of resources for moms and babies. That's what they do. <laughs> um, the other resource is um, the Association for Women's Health and Obstetrical Nurses and Neonatal Nurses. And um, that's abbreviated A-W-H-O-N-N.org. Um, and I think if you start there, um, you'll find a wealth of information and other links that can lead you to um, some of the information that you, you're seeking. Great, great. And I know that you just provided uh, Lieben's information, but where can my listeners connect with you? Where else? Sure, I'm on all forms of social media, um, except Twitter right now. I, I, I don't, <laughs> I need to <laughs> increase my, my Twitter presence. Yes. Um, but on Instagram and I'm on LinkedIn and I'm on Facebook. So the best way to search for me on Instagram is I am Dr. D, so I-A-M-D-O-C-T-O-R-D. And um, on LinkedIn, it's just my full name. Uh, D-A-I-H-N-I-A, last name D-U-N-K-L-E-Y, and that's also how you can find me on Facebook. Great, great. The, um, I also have a personal website where you can find all of this, which is IamDrD.com. Great. And Denise, is there any one last thing you would like to share? Yes, I, I want moms out there and um, moms that are are trying to plan families at this point 
um, to know that hope isn't lost. There is change coming. There are people out here working hard. There are resources out there to educate yourself and advocate for yourself. Um, I want you to go into your pregnancy um, with joy <laughs> um, and, you know, trust your bodies, trust your instincts, um, and know that uh, we're going to get uh, these statistics turned around. And there's work out there happening now in order to do that. Yes, yes. Well, thank you so much for joining me. This information is so needed. Um, like I, yeah. like you said, I'm, I'm praying change is coming. It is. It is. People are hard at work, and I, I have faith in this, uh, in these uh, sets of bills um, with uh, the Black Maternal Health Caucus. It's very comprehensive. Check it out for yourselves. It's called the Black Maternal Health Momnibus. M O N. I'm sorry. M O M N I B U S. Yes. Um, you can Google that and see what those nine components are. Awesome. Well, thank you again, Dania. It's such a pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. It's been a pleasure. Thank you for listening to Tough Like a Mother. If you like the show, be sure to subscribe on Apple, Spotify, or Stitcher. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts, please be sure to rate and review the show. I'll greatly appreciate it.